from the top. A five, six, seven. drag queens since we're sort of on this topic sure drag queens aren't in most of the show what they are is they're sort of like energy for dance numbers and in different scenes they're sort of the reminder of the niche market Mm -hmm. beyond lola and being you know working with charlie and then on top of it i think they're sort of used as a vehicle for the audience to sort of face that reality if they have any barriers or you know things that are withheld or thoughts about drag queens by the end of this, we're sort of rooting for them. So they're almost used as like a subliminal weapon in a way towards these maybe more conservative viewers of this show. If you happen to feel that way, if you're, if you're already on the side of them, you just look at them iconically and they're like, yes. And you just cheer for them. But I think by the end of the show, even the most hard hearted person is going like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe that's just my bright-hearted <laughs> view of the world. Well, I think it's interesting because the the um, referee for the boxing match is one of the drag performers. And yes. it's it's interesting to, to note in this pro shot that we saw that um, the drag performer, like when we're, uh, when we're facing off between Lola and Don, like the, you can see kind of, you know, each corner has their people that are rooting for them or whatever. And then the the referee almost kind of goes on the side of Dawn, like uh, like being a little antagonistic towards Lola, and I think trying to like stir the drama of the fight, and you know trying yes. to get people hyped for it. But like it's it's interesting to see these, you know that I'm pretty sure. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the only other time in the show that the drag performers are not just there for hype, and they're not just there for like. Like, you know, the big dance number, like that is one kind of pivotal moment of the show where you've got a drag performer who is pitting two people against each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the drag performers, of course, become like the the catalyst at the end because that was Lola's whole thing is she's like, I understand that Charlie's trying to save money to be able to get us to Milan because, you know, Lauren, unfortunately, has like mismanaged or not mismanaged, but like she's miscalculated the amount it's going to take for them to get to Milan. And 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 Lola's like, well, just, you know, let me use my own performers and like, let me find these people. Like you don't need models. And like, why are you doing this? Like, let's bring in the girls. And Charlie's like, no, no, we can't do that. Like this is Milan. Like you're not going to mess around when you're at Milan. And that's, you know, one of the moments where, you know, I, I, I didn't like Charlie for a minute, which is fine because you're not supposed to like him in that moment. Yeah. But like, you know, you know, me devil's advocate. It's always just like, the pressure's on. Oh, like, yeah. He's, mor- he's remortgaged his house. He, this is his one shot. And, like, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So no. he's trying to prep for everything. Right. But, I, it, again, it's built that you don't like him. Like, you shouldn't in this Yeah. Moment. And, I mean, I'm not saying that, I, like, I didn't, you know, of course, that's completely, like, it's justified that you're not supposed to like him. Because, like a lot of people under pressure, you make decisions and you say things that you otherwise wouldn't say if you weren't under pressure. So he was just, unfortunately, kind of saying an impulse 
impulse, like what was on his heart, because he's like, I'm scared just like you and I don't know what to do. But like going back to the performers, like then they become the the saving grace in the end when Lola brings all of the girls and they mm-hmm. come showcase all of the shoes and they're, they're the savior in the 11th hour that allows them the ability to be able to put on this show and not just have poor young dumb Charlie standing up there with his you know coat and shirt and boots and that's it to like do this to try to strut this runway and like I I think that more than just them kind of being on the periphery and being the hype people I to get a little cerebral with it I truly think that it's an extension of Lola and it is really like being able to 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 see them in the world like being strong and being able to like really nail all of these performances that they do it is the personification of Lola and her confidence that she has received from becoming part of this world and for having been, you know, chastised by her father for so long about take those shoes off and what are you doing? And da, 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 da. like, she really gets to live in this with these performers. And so I think they're an excellent, not only are they eye candy, but like, they're just, they're, yeah, they are the multiplied personification of her confidence. Yeah. I, I think it's sort of a cute extension. We talked a little bit about this when we, uh, uh, my partner and I guested on Mary Tyler and more. Yeah. So if you haven't checked that out, you should go check that out uh, covering red, white, and Royal blue. Oh, um, so good. But we talked about sort of how, like how that quote, blood is thicker than water mm-hmm. uh, is always misquoted. It's, it's literally saying the reverse in the actual quote. It's the family you choose. And so the family that Lola has chosen are her, and her angels Mm -hmm. and not only that but we sort of like if you watch the film you get different shots and things and they're always sort of in the background and around but they're mainly at the club and like if you're part of gay culture you know the club is like church (laughs) take me to church (laughs) literally like it's that safe space it's where you know you can go and it is your spot and you feel good and you don't have to worry that the outside world is going to come at you. That's why it's always such a big thing when people talk about why do you need this in, why do you, you need this special law and it goes into this, like you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to walk out of your front door and worry that you're going to be chastised. You don't have to worry about getting things thrown at you slurs worrying that you're going to be kicked out of your apartment you're going to lose your job you're going to have all of these things taken from you and these women drag performers people have to face this daily so the strength that they get to show by showing up in a pair of heels and being as fierce as they are is iconic in and of itself and needs to be shouted from the rooftops oh my god say it louder for the people in the back anyone strong enough to do that is is a hero in my mind bar none agreed totally agreed
we talked about some of the quote girls in the show, but let's talk about the girls in this show biologically. Biologically. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about Nicola and Lauren. Done. Bet. <laughs> let's go. All right. Uh, let's start with the hard one, Nicola. So oh Nicola is Charlie's girlfriend. Uh-huh. They're fiancés. Fiance. They are together. They are planning this future. And Nicola is very adamant that they are going to live their life a certain way. Mm-hmm. And up until Charlie's father dying, he had been on the same path and on the same wavelength as Nicola. Watching the film and then watching the stage show, the film is a lot easier for me to get on Nicola's side. A stage version, she's played and all of her lines and things are very pointedly trying to paint her as like a negative foe in a way, like an adversary to what needs to be done or whatever. Sure. But something about the film made me me feel it less than. If I were Nicola, I'd be upset about this whole change of trajectory and me planning my life around you and I was just the devoted person following you in your lead and now you've suddenly changed paths. I'd be a little pissed off. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to play this very middle of the road because like too often in media in general, women are painted as the ones who are like, oh, well I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what's best for you. Even if you don't know what that is, like, right. I, you know, you follow me because like, I'm the one with the plan and like, you know, I'm, I'm trying really hard not to play into that stereotype because like, I don't know. I think that it is a core tenet of people to be able to change their mind whenever they want to and to be able to change their life trajectory whenever they want to, regardless of like what plans you may have set out for yourself in the beginning of your relationship, your career, your life in general. Like there are there are moments where you're allowed to do that. There, You're allowed to change your opinion on things when you get new information. And Charlie got new information, which was to save this factory, here's what I have to do. And I'm not just going to let you turn this into apartments because like, I get that you think that's right for me, but it's not because I've learned all these new things, right? And also, I mean, granted, I haven't seen the film again in a very long time, so I'd have to go back and like really rewatch yeah, it because yeah, yeah. I'm basing my, you know, conversation off of the pro shot but I I don't know I feel like I would yes I would be pissed off because like your partner that you thought was going to be with you that like was going to devote themselves to you as much as you did them they are now finding a new thing to do that doesn't seem like it's taking you along with them would I be pissed off absolutely but like I don't know I think that it it Every opportunity like that or every challenge like that becomes an opportunity for two people to go, are we still in this together for each other? No. Then let's split this off and let's be done with it because like I'm not going to be the person that you set out for me to be. I am discovering who I am and that's okay. And I don't think often enough we'd say it out loud that it's okay for you to do that. Just because you say that this is what you're going to do at the beginning of something doesn't mean it's going to be the same way at the end. And I think it's one of those beautiful like lessons that you do learn through life is that in every relationship, it's always like a give and take. And it, tr- like, I know it's so cliche, but like you have to wake up every day and like choose 
the other person, yes, no matter what. You do. And you have to be willing to accept them for them. And when you no longer can, like, what does that mean? I mean, it means that you're a human being that has learned new things about yourself, about your situation, about your partner, about whatever it is. And as long as as long as you come to the table to your partner and go, hi, I need to have this conversation with you because here are the new things that I've learned or here are the things that I've discovered. If you have a dialogue about it, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And you don't even have to understand it or know it, but having that open communication is what's important. You have to talk about it because the second you cut them out of it and you just operate on new information without letting the partner know, hi, here is what I have figured out or here's what's happening that's when you become the asshole and that's when it's not okay. But I, I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no shaming her and feeling the way that she did because she's absolutely allowed those feelings. But like at the end of the day, you can only operate with the information that you're given and it's, he's going in this trajectory. Are you going to go with him? If the answer is no, split it off and be done. Yeah. And I like I we I think we look at her as like this adversary, like I said, sort of to this whole operation of what the show is. But I think in in her own way, she's sort of in her own story, in her own world and dealing with her own. Oh, absolutely. So I wouldn't say Nicola's like a bad person or like is a bad character inherently. She even tells Charlie, I want to be with you. I want to continue this journey, but give me a reason to do it. Mm -hmm. And is, I mean, sometimes that's really hard to give the ultimatum to a partner where it's like, you're either going to do this or I'm going to be gone. And I mean, while that can be a tactic for some people to like try to stimulate oh, it a can conversation, totally be gaslighting. It can be gaslighting to a T. Oh. So watch out for that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a red flag. Let's talk about that. But I think that it is it is a hard thing in media that women like that or characters like that are portrayed as the bad people because they're not yeah. going in the same direction as your protagonist. So instantly they're antagonist. It's like she's not the antagonist of the show. I don't really think there is an antagonist of the show. I mean, we yeah. have antagonistic points, but we don't have like an adversary and the hero. It's like we everybody has their own flavors of these things. And Nicholas flavor was, I thought I had this plan. You found a different thing to do. So I guess I'm just going to leave you because like you're not giving me a reason to stay is, is like the trope of that is give me a reason to be here. But like the, the subtext of that is like, I've given you what I think I can give you. You're not giving me equal share. So now what do we do? And the logical thing is let's separate it because Neither one of us is bringing joy to the other person anymore. That's all the, that's the adult subtext of like, yeah, absolutely. That, that trope well, of that. And correct me if I'm wrong, we're supposed to believe that they're f- sort of freshly out of what would be university in, yeah. in England. Yes. So th- they, I mean, they're still younger. Young, yeah, they're like 20, f- uh, 24, 25 people. I mean, that's still yeah. young. So, so I mean, like, I consider that young in like the spectrum of relationships in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Like, for a millennial, that's like, oh, you a baby. (laughs) Mood. (laughs) I I just thought it was interesting to bring up, especially talk about Nicola in that way, because I don't necessarily view her as, like, a bad person. She's just not on the same path as our protagonist, one of the protagonists of this story. And ergo can be viewed as, like, a 
something bad, but I don't think she is. She was just sort of caught up in what this whole trajectory was with Charlie, and she just didn't want it. And I don't think she needs to be like put onto this like negative thought. We don't need to put her on blast because she's not going down the same life path. She wants to be a successful woman in yeah. her own right, paving her own way. That's fine. You go do that, boo. Pop off my leash. Go for it. Go for it, boo-boo. The the crux of this is including the people who are in your life in that conversation. And they both kind of failed. They at that. both did not do that with each other because they were both so focused in their own worlds that like the scene when Nicola is with her boss and showing Charlie the plans for the apartments that they're going to do because like right. Charlie finds out that dad has technically sold the business, but like the contracts weren't finished before he died. And it's like, you know, there, there's that, that moment where it feels like it's a betrayal because like, you know, she's going, Hey, here's this opportunity that you have to be able to, you know, do all these things. And on the surface, it looks like betrayal because she's like, Oh, well, I'm talking to my boss and we're just going to do this thing. And well, you don't care about Charlie's feelings about it because like, now look at him. He's discovering his new thing. But it's like you could look at it from the lens of this is a partner looking at their partner going, you're struggling. Let me help you. This is how I'm going to help you. Not understanding that it's not helpful because they haven't had the conversation about it. They're literally speaking two different languages. Charlie mortgaged the freaking house without without even talking to her. Like, if my, if the fans. You would divorce. (laughs) You would divorce. I am here Big to put this. D. I'm here to put this on record in a New York minute. If my husband, the Phantom of the Pod, mortgaged our house without my knowledge, first of all, he wouldn't be able to because mine is the first name on the mortgage of this house. So he would get an earful from me. But secondly, my next call after trying to figure out how I'd clean up a body is calling a divorce lawyer immediately oh my god yeah there are just certain conversations that you need to have with your partner and that's one of them what separates a man like you from a man like me i'm a reflection her protection i'm her curious mystery what a man what a woman what a man what a woman what a woman Okay, so off of Nicola, let's talk about Lauren, who sort of got oh, swept up this in little girl. all of this. This is not her story. No. And this is not what she expected in any way. No. So Lauren was just a lowly worker in this factory. She just happens to offhandedly say that he needs to find a niche market. Thus is born the seedling in his brain. Yes. In the in the film, we get to see maybe a little bit more of this buildup. And so Lauren in the stage version is a little bit less. And like, I'll even say like Nicola in the film gets a little bit more meat, we'll say. But uh, Lauren gets executized, as she says, because she yeah, gets, uh, you know, she's essentially the one who had this idea and Charlie wants to 
reward that. Yeah. So becomes the right hand person to to this whole operation. I love it. And gets to go with him along the way. However, she catches feelings for Charlie throughout all of this and her iconic song, The History of Wrong Guys. Oh my God, what a good song. Lauren is like comedic relief in this show. Just sort of that breath of fresh air on totally. a lot of the heavy subject matter. There's something to be said about Lola's quick wit, but there's something that just hits different about Lauren's ability to crack the joke or put in that line and it gives me life. I mean, honestly, she's also speaking from the from the female perspective, she is the personification of the awkwardness that you feel when you're catching feelings for somebody oh, yeah. and you don't, you every time you talk to them, you put your foot directly in your mouth and then you wonder why you are like this. Like, it is just... It's so beautiful. Every single side eye moment that she had touching his leg and like pretending to make out with him, like in the middle of the the factory floor, like it is, it is girl. It is the personification of a girl brain. If you don't know what I'm talking about, here's a little thing. Every person I feel, whether you are female presenting or not, has something called a girl brain, where when you're catching feelings for somebody or you're doing, you're, your girl brain turns on and it overanalyzes the situation. It puts you in a position where you're like, oh yeah, here's the confidence for you to be able to talk to this person. And then you go open your mouth and then the gremlin who lives in your brain sticks your foot directly in your mouth when you try to say something smart or neat or witty or fun <laughs> and then you walk away going oh my god i wish i were dead like the 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 moment in golden girls when blanche goes god i wish i was dead that is who lauren is as a person and it's That's just so it makes my heart really happy because like to have that relatable moment as a human being, not just a woman, but like a, the moment when you are catching feelings for somebody and you're like, oh my God, I am so enamored with you that I'm going to open my mouth and say something, but it did not go through a filter factory before it came out. Uh, how do I recover? I don't. I'm just going to leave. And then you yeet away. Bye-bye. It's well, and so this is good. one of those times when I can absolutely see the duality between Jerry Mitchell's directing of Legally Blonde oh, and I his bet. directing of this because there's a scene where Elle Woods is in her dorm room with Emmett practicing for the um, big, you know, semester test that's coming up. Sure. Uh, and Warner keeps walking in because they're going to go on like Thanksgiving break and da da da. But then she has all these like awkward moments that happen and Aww. it's like literal foot in mouth. And then Emmett has to be like, you realize your IQ goes down 10 points every time he walks in the room is the lyric. And it, it I, I was just Cute. seeing so much of like the the similarity between this character and that. I also have to believe that Jerry Mitchell knew Annalie Ashford because she was one of the original Delta News. Oh, cute. In, in that. So she must have been at the forefront of his mind for this role. But I, I, her story is kind of fun. Like she gets to be this empowered person by the end, but always awkward about the guy. I'm not even like we talk about the Bechtel test. I'm not sure she was looking for the guy. She just happened to fall in love. Yeah, she I happened to catch so feels. Yeah, that's it's funny. And then she realizes that might not be great since he's kind of engaged. So <laughs> he has a girlfriend or he has a fiance, you knob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's sort of a guiding light and she gets to be that 
you know, little earworm for Charlie in times when he's down. And it's Aww. it's just really nice to see that support. Let's talk about the other sort of major player in this factory, Dawn. Oh, the bear that is like, let's be a womanizer in the beginning. And oh, his redemption arc is kind of lovely, though. I gotta say, I loved it. With Dawn, we get this question what is a man (laughs) and he is every cliche of what a grotesque machismo laden man thinks a woman wants and it is not at all and lola is very quick to point out no no i don't think so (laughs) no 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 i mean i don't know speaking from the female perspective like i think that there is something to be said about someone who not necessarily needs to devote their entirety to me as a person but somebody who sees me for who I am, who sees what I can bring to the table, who acknowledges what I am and and who I am in their life, that is the worship that I find most appealing. And like, absolutely, like I will say the Phantom of the Pod unabashedly does that for me. And I in turn adore him and worship him back because like, I, you know, not to use those terms as like, you should devote your entire life to this person and like sacrifice everything you are in the pursuit of like one human being. But like it, there is something to be said for the, the emotional connection that you form with somebody and how that can translate into, you know, a love for a person. And it's yeah. not just about and muscles and all of that, which muscles are gorgeous. Like I'm all about it, but like, but that's aesthetic. Eventually that's going to die. Yeah. At the end of the day, all you're going to have is each other. Yeah. And what, if you don't you have, have a together. brain in your head, then I'm like, cool, your muscles are beautiful. But like, I'm not, it, it's, it's not going to pay the mortgage. It's not going to comfort me when I'm sad. Like those aren't. Yeah. Mm. And I think that can be said about any relationship period, because it, yes. whether, whether you are monogamous in a poly relationship, if you're open, whatever, sometimes it's just about that connection that you have with one or multiple people. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if that's one or three people, the rules still apply. Absolutely. Like to whomever, whatever <laughs> use one subscribes. Where like, do you subscribe? I, yeah. I think uh, Lola brings up the four tenants, the pillars of it, it's a companionship, affection, uh, sensitivity, and compassion mm-hmm. are the things that women look for in the potential partner. And I think that rings true just in humans. Like at of the course. end of the day, they're not looking for uh, I look at women. Sorry, this is a blanket statement, and I don't mean to put anyone in this thing, but women who solely want to be the kept girl, locked away in the tower, make the martini and wash the the dishes for the... I, I don't get you. I don't understand you. This is not saying that, like, oh, I want to have a family. I want to be the best, like, wife and mother possible. That's not those people. That's I'm not I'm not saying that about there is a mentality that goes along with all of it that like I expect my man to do this for me and 
nothing else will do. I don't no. get it. Never will get it. No, I, maybe this is just, you know, me and my, me and my old age. But, um, I, I think that, uh, there is something to be said about relationships that aren't just your romantic relationships. Everything is about, it, it has to be in equal measure, right? Your, your, your friendships that you, that you have, the relationships that you have, even the things to yourself, like you have to be willing to do for others what you expect done for yourself. And I, you know, it's the, it's the thing that I would tell people when I went to go apply for jobs. Like when I was a manager at a movie theater, I told all the kids who worked there, I was like, I will never ask you to do something that I would not myself do first. But mm -hmm. that is the mark of just a, a good person. That's like, I, you have to have equality in these, not to say that it needs to be 50, 50 every time. Cause sometimes it's 80, 20. Sometimes you need to lean on this person because you're only at 20% and that's all you can give. They got to come up with the 80%, but you agree to that when you start, whatever it is that you're doing, a situationship, a relationship, a friendship, whatever the ship is, you're you're signing that contract that says that I will do this for you. And the people who just go, I want to be a trophy this. I want to be a, you know, arm candy that. Like, <laughs> it seems so vapid to me. And like, yeah, cool. You've got all the pretty things and you've got someone who will give you all the money to do all the things that you want to do. But does that really make you happy? Like, if it does, I'm not yucking your yum. Good for you. But like you said, I do not understand that because I want somebody up here here in my brain who can give me the things that money can't buy. So it's funny to look at Dawn. Where do you get this and who hurt you? But really though, <laughs> questions that I have. Uh, yes. Yeah. He thinks Lola is a biological woman. And then she proves him wrong and it's she so cute. She proves him wrong. Oh my God, it's and adorable. And it's the best moment ever. But then <sighs> so she eventually over scenes and scenes and scenes throughout the show of hate tasks him with the challenge to in the film it was change his mind mm -hmm. in the stage version it's uh accept someone for, for who, who they, they are. are ultimately he gets to he in a twist of fate he changes his mind about charlie mm -hmm. not lola because i think lola in this boxing match throws it don knows that <laughs> <laughs> i think he changed his mind about her then oh agreed for sure. Uh, you know, it's this beautiful arc where Don sort of gets some redemption and then he rallies the troops when Charlie has his, I call it the seven layers of shit sandwich <laughs> that happens to Charlie. Oh, buddy. If everything happened in succession to me, <laughs> that happened to Charlie in the span of like the four hours, oh. breaks up with your fiance. Everything is in chaos. The shoes are not coming together. Lola has just stated that they've canceled the models that they've just hired. They're over budget for their trip and there's no ability to do it in sight. So he's just mortgaged his house and everything is falling apart around him. And the final straw that breaks the camel's back is Lola being Lola. Oh, and he pops off in a moment of fury, saying shit. I, I'm not giving Charlie excuses because what he said is vile. Yeah. But were I in his his kinky boots, 
<laughs> I might have popped off myself. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, 1000%. He sings this beautiful song, Soul of a Man, mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm not as much of a man as what my father was. I have been put in, I've had to walk a mile in his souls, in his mm-hmm. shoes of my father. And he's unable to live up to it. The expectation, what other people are expecting of him and not his father's expectations. And then just adding all this in, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a, it's a sad moment for him, though, because yeah. we, we see our hero fall apart. And Icarus himself, like we say in so many of these shows this season. Absolutely. Where, where he cuts off all ties. And the only person to reach out then is Lauren. Yep. Stupid hubris. No excuses. I blew my fuses. I guess I'm just a ruse in my father's shoes. Not amusing, no confusing this streak of losing. Totally brutal and useless too. How can I be the soul of man? Noble and wise like the soul of man who lifted me high like the soul of man. Final talking point. Charlie and Lola sort of have the same problem. Daddy issues. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they do have daddy issues, but I think it's interesting that it's daddy issues like in a, of a different flavor, right? Because, right. you know, like Charlie's daddy issues is that, you know, daddy is telling him, you are my legacy. Here is what you will do. This is your life's path. I don't really give a shit about what you think your life path is. You're going to do this because family, because legacy, like you're going to do that. And then poor, you know, poor Lola, uh, Simon, it, you know, has the opposite problem where Lola is trying to be herself from a very young age. And dad is like, is shutting him down, shutting her down immediately. Take those shoes off. You're stupid. Get in the house. I mean, like you can only imagine the slurs that dad would sling at this poor boy who then grows up to be this amazing person. But like what I find fascinating is that Lola gets an opportunity to almost bury this hatchet and like still go, I love you, dad. Like, I know you don't understand this. You don't care about it. But like she has this entire moment where she's singing in the nursing home and she grabs onto dad's arm and says, I love you. And it was good to see you, dad, and lets him go off. Charlie never gets that redemption because dad died. So like, you know, it's the plight of all of the children who have lost their parents. Like speaking as someone who lost her father, like there are many times where my father told me that he was proud of me. He told me he loved me. Like he did all these things. But you still wonder as a child, did I do right by my parents? Did I need to do right by them? Like every kid will feel like there's something unresolved there with a parent who's passed away, especially if it was unexpected. I mean, my mom was unexpected, but dad, I mean, dad died of old age. Like, I mean, dad was 76. Like, I mean, he lived a really long, good, full life. And, and I feel like there were a lot of things that were not left unsaid between us, which is great. You know, luckily for me, I never had a father who said, this is what you will do with your life. My dad went, go live your life. Like I I am here for whatever it is that you need but I want you to experience your life. I want you to fall down. I want you to make mistakes. I want you 
to be human, but don't be afraid to call me when you need to get picked back up again. And I don't think that Charlie and his father had that kind of relationship. He was just like, I got to do what my dad says because it's family and that's what I have to do. And so to see these two people be similar in that they both have issues with their father, but to know that it's really two sides of the same coin is, is just, is so nice because then you've got a bond over something that may not be similar or may not be the same thing, but it is similar. And I mean, to use a terrible trope, misery loves company. And it's not even like it's miserable. Like they just find each other. Cause I think, they feel a bond in yeah. some weird way. Cause right, totally. even right at the end of the show, they Lola says some, something to the effect of they are the same person. Like mm-hmm. they, they have the same lot in life and yeah. they've experienced the same sort of feelings. It's just funny. Cause I, I, when I try to like put my empath hat on, like I feel for both of them in so many ways. Cause growing up on a farm in Montana, sometimes I felt not a burden, but you know, <laughs> your father to some degree, like his father before him was a farmer mm-hmm. and his father before him was a farmer. So you go, am I going to be a farmer? Do I need to be a farmer? Yeah, but I very much at a young age went, I ain't going to be no farmer. So I was young Charlie. Oh, baby. Do I have to be a farmer? (laughs) This is not my life path, dad. Yeah. And then, you know, I I feel for both of these, you know, quote men. There was a line that struck me this last time watching that Lola gets to say in her song where some of the best parts of me, I was hiding. It took me a really long time to come out to my parents when I did just because of fear and me understanding that they have an idea of what they want for me. Yeah. And I didn't want to kill that dream for them. I didn't want to burden them with that. I didn't want to crush their thoughts or their dreams. And eventually I came to the same thought. They're missing out on some of the best parts of me. And if they, who I'm not going to get teary, if they can't accept those best parts, I just have to accept that and move on. Well, and that's a really hard thing as a human to do, but as a, you know, a child to do, I yeah. think that's equally hard. It, it appears to be a trope, which could be true for a lot of people. It could be false for some people that we always want the approval of our parents. We strive to get that seal of approval, whether it's from mom, dad, or both. Like you want to know that your parents are proud of you. And I, I mean, again, not to say that it's a blanket statement for everybody, but like there is something to be said about the feeling that you get when your parents tell you that they're proud of you or that they love you for what you've done or who you are. And to even think or fathom that your parents might not love you just because you're trying to be authentically yourself, I could never understand that burden. And I think that, you know, to to kind of echo what we said on Mary Tyler Moore when we were talking about red, white, and royal blue, it is... It is something that is so hard to be unabashedly yourself and to be authentic to who you are because a lot of times you don't know if that's safe to do so. You don't know if it's going to be acceptable to do so. And the strongest people that I've ever met do it anyway because they're like, I don't know any other way to live. You need to identify the sacrifice that that is and you have to, even if you're not okay with it, just like you said, 
I have to learn how to be. And that's quite, that could have been a possibility in your world. Luckily, it's not to my knowledge, but that's something that that you potentially had to face. And that's something that, that Lola had to face by being able to say to her father, this is who I am, dad. I'm really sorry, but I, I'm not going to apologize for who I am anymore. Charlie didn't have to do that because his father wasn't around for that conversation. It emulates so much, like even my story. I was like, I had to be Stephen from Montana to go be Stephen in Portland, Mm -hmm. where Simon from Clacton had to leave to go be Lola in London. Yep. I had to remove myself from a situation where I'm sick of walking out of my front door, understanding what I'm going to have to be facing every single day and just go to a place where I know it's not going to bat an eye. And how sad is that though? I can only hope one day we get to a place where anyone can walk out of their front door and not think twice. Yeah, because there are so many bigger things to worry about than just who you are. Well, you took my hand, taught me how to be strong. That's where I picked up when we went all wrong. I know that I hurt you and you hurt me too. But you mean more to me, I must mean more to you. in the show was actually really hard. I don't know. I think the strongest point was the storytelling. I never felt like I was lost. I never felt like there were moments that didn't need to be there. I I felt like the storytelling from beginning to end was cohesive. It kept me engaged. Um, And it uh, it was very clear throughout the whole thing. And at the end of it, I knew what the moral was. Like I even without the ensemble singing it to me, like I would have known, <laughs> I would have known what the moral was. So I think that's a really, that's a really good strong point of a show for me is that if I don't look up and go, where the f- am I? Like, it's been a good show. A weak point in this show could, I mean, I could say could be the, the way that the drag community is perceived. Like the, I mean, but again, like the, what we, they had to do it because it was appropriate for the time, right? Like, because we're yeah. set in a time period. We're, we're acknowledging historically that these are things that have happened. So, I mean, that could be a personal weak point because, like, I don't understand why we have to tiptoe around the drag community, the trans community. There is no reason for that. They are human beings. Treat them like humans. Like, just don't. Like, I don't understand. So, I mean, that that could be considered a weak point. But, like, um, you know, I mean, maybe a, a sub weak point would be the fact that Nicola is very kind of a surface level character. We don't really get a lot of like meat on her like we do kind of in the film. Um, so maybe giving sure. giving her a little more anima and maybe making her less of a villain would have been a uh, better for me because like we said there's no real antagonist of this show. That that's those are my big my big bigs. The big bigs. The big, the six, the six inch <laughs> sex. That's my six inch big bigs. Strongest point of this show for me is definitely going to be, I mean, kind of along the same lines of storytelling, but I have to say more specifically Lola 
in creating Lola's world mm. and having that be so clear, kind of like what I was saying about with these drag performers on the side, they, they are just sort of on the side, but they're used so well yeah. to promote joy and just the feeling of freedom and what that can feel like when you are just uninhibited mm. and so beautifully you sure that i love that feeling that every time they're on stage they aren't scared they're empowered yes and that's what i take away as one of the strongest points of this show is how much that is at the forefront we get to see lola be attacked and that's the catalyst for her and charlie meeting yeah but that doesn't deter her she's like yeah that's another tuesday girl Oh, which is just, it makes my heart sad that that is even a thing that has to be contended with. Yeah, but doesn't deter her. All it is is strength. And that's the strong point for me is the fact that that's able to be shown that, like I said, these people are heroes. These people are warriors. Like they deserve to be put up on that pedestal and given that shout out. And I love how that's portrayed in the show. I would say a weak point, maybe even converging in that line, just sort of the unabashed, I'll call it use of, I'm going to say this one time because I know it to be more of a slur, transvestite. Yes. The use of that word over and over and over, sort of at the expense. How, what I will say is the time period in which the show would have taken place, it was less than, a, you know, of a slur-ish yeah. use. And especially probably in the UK, it would not have been... Over there, they use the CNX Tuesday word all the time, and that's just part of their vernacular. Yes. Over here in America, that's just a word we don't use unless you want to be slapped across the face. Yes. So uh, maybe for show notes, I will try to give a little bit more insight into the differences and all those things. So I think that's going to be the weak point for me in this show. Sure. Just overall, maybe some of the joke quote quote at the expense, because some of it is used in the joking manner. Um, but I'll, I'll try to research a little bit more into it. Maybe even see if I can figure out how the cast felt about it. So Love it. What is the favorite song in this show for you? What is the oh, song? And what no. song would you cut? Oh, yeah, I impossible. knew you were going to ask. It's impossible. Literally. I need one song. What is the song? I am a sucker for a good ballad. And so I want to say it's not my father's son. I want to say it. But, you. I mean... <laughs> You you know what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say sex is in the heel. Oh, it's so good. It's just the song. And any I mean, like, I mean, of course you could you could say raise you up slash just be, because of course that's the great, like, iconic end with your whole ensemble and everybody is like they're hitting the harmonies and the major chords, and it's so pretty, and I love it. You know, hold me in your heart was just like, oh my god, my heart heart i can't do it um please tell me yours was also sex is in the heel is that true i you know what sex is in the heel is the song that got me really into this show i think the number for me is everybody say yeah <gasps> Ooh, that's a good Act one, one finale. yeah i think that's the one it's the one where they figure out they have a product that works. Yep. Because it's sort of, it's almost like this weight off their shoulders because they go proof of concept and then the production num value and number of it on Broadway and in, on the West End eventually as well. <sighs> so good. It's, 
so good. God. But, I mean, how do you compare that to sexism the heel? Because it's like you can't. You can't. I, I don't know. Uh, but then, of course, like Soul of a Man. Yes, I'm not my father's son. I, They're such good ballads. I can't. It's apples and oranges. You can't really compare them. No. But if you're just like, I'm walking away, raise you up is a great finale number. Absolutely. I, even Lauren's song. Oh. <laughs> History of Wrong Guys. Like, how do you compare it? But. Okay. Overall, uh, the song, the song for me is everybody say yeah because it's like a celebration. Oh, one thousand percent. That's not so in your face. Like end of show. Da da da. <laughs> bum bum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Okay. Well, then, inquiring minds want to know, what do you cut? Tell me. As much as I love the number, I would cut Soul of a Man. <gasps> really? Yeah. It's kind of like poor white boy who's just mouthed off being sad for himself song that doesn't drive the plot forward. Interesting. I think it, I think it could have just cut to him outside on that crate outside of the factory. Sure. And then Lauren coming being like, yeah, you mouthed off. How'd that work for you? How'd that <laughs> work out? It didn't. Good for you. Yeah. I think it could have cut to that and we still would have gotten the same effect. Um, I'm gonna tell you, I would not cut a song from this show. It's hard. It would be like cutting off a limb. It really it would, would be, because I think going back to the storytelling vein of what we've been talking about, I think that all these songs flow very well together in the overall thread of the storytelling. I think that all of them do. In fact, even though soul of a man doesn't really drive the plot forward, it gives you an insight into Charlie after he has had this blow up with Lola Yeah, and like being able to really kind of who among us has not done mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa after you've had an argument with somebody and you sit there and you beat yourself up and you're like, why did I do this? And like, there are so many, like there, it's a relatable song because it goes back to that whole, you have an argument with someone that you love because you're just frustrated, but it's not at them, but they don't know that. And so like, it's a moment for us to feel bad for Charlie because like, even though we've had the, you know, uh, SFWG the whole time, um, that he's a privileged white boy that doesn't really know anything. It's a moment where we get to go, okay, dude, I've been there. Yeah, I feel that. You go ahead and sing it out and then let's move on. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't don't know if I cut anything from the show. I think it's a really good answer. Run into my life and help me go for something more. Now I stand up for myself. Now I stand out from the crowd. Now I'm standing on high heels if dad could see me Strap on those heels ah! and slide into a questions for table read. It's my favorite part. You'll see. Uh, how are 
women portrayed in this show. I mean, I actually think that women are portrayed quite well in this show because we don't necessarily paint them as uh, any, you know, name any stereotype archetype of women. I think that they actually, they do, do have quite a good representation, especially when we get into our drag performers. Like, I think it's great. Yeah. They're not. Ladies and those who have yet to make up their mind. Yes. I think are represented quite well. Yes. I, I think there is something to say for Nicola because she is strong mm-hmm. in her duties, even though we try to paint her as somewhat of a villain yeah. toward the overall plot of yeah. this show. I mean, maybe the only negative thing could be Lauren when she realizes she's pining after Charlie, but it's not really a plot point. It's sort of like secondary to what Lauren's going through. Yeah. And she's even not... though she has an entire song about it in a way, <laughs> but she's also, she's copping up to the fact that she's having these feelings and this isn't what I'm supposed to be feeling. Yeah. And I have this problem throughout the history of time. I mean, is it a, is it a, um, Ada Wanny, uh, can't say no situation? Uh, kind of. I mean, maybe <laughs> like, because she has the entire song about how she's, you know, going through her love life and talking about all the mistakes yeah. that she's made and all the people that she's been with. But like, Charlie is not her main focus. Like her focus was her job. Yeah. And then she kind of stumbled into this thing with Charlie, which then developed into feelings, which then developed into a relationship. So like, I mean, I think it still passes the women's Bechdel test. And at the end of the day, her drive is never really to be with Charlie, to be with Charlie. She's there with Charlie as like that guiding light, that friend, that support. And then she just has these feelings secondarily. Yes. (laughs) In awkward moments. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Which is delightful, I'm going to say. So even if it doesn't pass the Bechtel test for her, I don't know if I'd change it because it's so good. No, it's believable and awkward and beautiful. And I live for Lauren. Hashtag live for Lauren. Well, then how about race in this show? Do we feel it's represented well? I mean, I would think so, especially for the time period that we're in in, in, in uh, you know, the UK. And I think that, you know, I mean, Describing looking- Describing Lola's journey. And, yes. Yeah. And like looking at the, the um, you know, the drag performers in general, the angels, um, you know, you've got you've got a lot of good representation among the angels. And then yeah. I think- They can be anyone when yeah. you're casting this show. And ultimately, I think you could cast this show- any whichever way i don't know if any role calls for anything i think the only two that really have to link up are charlie's dad and charlie yeah and as far as heredity yes does the bloodline match then yes okay you're good (laughs) yeah and I, i i don't know if it necessarily speaks about race as a topic overall but i think it's sort of in this weird subtext like all the things that lola's going through on top of it because people of color in you know especially a drag community or queer community it is harder and so we get to see her troubles and those strifes through that as well so then speaking of that representation how's representation in this show i'm gonna say it this almost gets like a hundred percent except for the use of that nasty t word absolutely i think that we have a lot of there are some things that are very much like like beautifully identifiable immediately as part of the queer community. And then we have people like George who are like, "Mm, I don't know what flavor you are, but I know you're something, but you know what you do, you boo. And I'm super proud of you for whatever that is. Absolutely. And then we get the adversaries like Dawn. So we get to see what people of the queer community might face. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And then at the end, it's just joy. It's a literal joy. It's a pure gay ending, you know? 
The only thing that was missing was the glitter out of someone's ass. Like, that's what we were missing. Oh, that was in the back. You didn't see that? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I missed that part of the pro shot. Did they do that? Neat. Oh, yeah. That's how the confetti got into the audience at the end. Whoa. <laughs> God damn it. We've spent this entire time sounding so smart and we're, we're doing so good. And then you come up with a, like a queef joke. <laughs> Do you feel good about that? I feel so good about that. I bet you do. You beautiful asshole. God, help me. <laughs> no. Please. Well, swiftly moving on from that, um, does the story hold up without the music? Now, because it was the film and we loved it, I say yes. Yes, it does. It surely does. But even the film had like the drag performances with music. So it really wasn't that much of a stretch to like no. put this on stage with music. No made for it so i mean I, it's almost weird what if the film didn't have lola's drag performances would we still feel this way i mean i would still probably feel this way because like i mean although i am a sucker for a good drag performance and i do i mean i love them like i'm already bought into the premise of the show yeah. without needing to see the drag performance so like I mean, I would still say yes, I would watch this without the music and the performances. Absolutely. I think so. I think it would be missing something without seeing Lola do what she do. Oh, totally. But, you know, overall, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's a compelling story, even yeah. knowing that it's based on a true story. I think that's cause enough for it to be interesting. Absolutely. Could it change in era, time, or decade? One, as long as people are going to need shoes. Yes. Yeah. As long as there is unacceptance in the world i think so yeah i don't think there's anything built in that is like time reference uh, i don't think that you would be able to put this in like the 1750s i don't think no like you couldn't put it back further than where it is i think you can put it forward forward absolutely but not i mean you could even you could go back like 50s maybe 40s if you wanted to get like real yeah. crazy with some stuff but like anything that's not the 20th century uh, it's, I, it's gonna be hard it will yeah. be hard and i think that it will it will also lose a lot of the points that we are giving it because those things weren't relevant yet you know yeah we like we need to have that adversarial sort of society and mentality built up mm -hmm. in order for Lola to feel her, you know, antagonist yeah. of the world, really. So, yeah. yeah. Amateur professional, scale of one to ten, where's this landing for you? Oh, my God. This is a nine immediately. Holy shit. That's the largest number you've ever given. It's a nine strictly because of, I mean, again, this might be biased because I'm basing it on a pro shot that was... They had access to multiple different resources, but like, not only are you do you have a cast of eleven to twenty people, right? So we've got a mid-sized cast. 
We have dance requirements, which are ridiculously heavy for someone who is not well-versed in the world of dance. Like those requirements are taxing. You've got musical requirements that are taxing. You've got, um, I mean, you've got costume changes that are taxing. You've got, you've got so many elements that like, if you don't have the resources to pull it off, like I, I think it would be hard for your average quote, average Joe theater, a community theater that only does maybe like three or four productions a year to tackle kinky boots, I think would be very hard, but this will be interesting because you're going to do this in real life. So like, I know. but you're also in a larger city than I am. So like, you've got different yeah. resources than we do here. So yeah. As my first foray into, I will say, small fish, big pond situation, mm -hmm. it was delightful to walk into a room and see the level of professionalism that was at your disposal. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I've been to professional auditions and things and, and had this, but there was there's still, it's still regional. Like, you don't see... 20 other versions of you in that audition space right. and you know you're you're gonna fight them for the same role it was this beautiful community of like having the thing at your disposal this is hard because you need those performers that are going to be the angels themselves you mm -hmm. need a lola and a, a, the drag itself is like the element of the show that would like break a director's brain <laughs> but not only that you have all the sets and shoes. And if you want to amp it up, you have these uh, mechanisms that roll the shoes out on the, the conveyor belt that mm -hmm. are used later for dancing. Then you uh. do have these impossibly hard sets that you're going to have to construct with runways and factory. And then you need to build Lola's club. Like, it could be hard. It could be, but it could be stripped away. Yeah. Do you can you rethink this show in a different way where the hardest thing about this show is getting the shoes and the drag performers? And I say yes. So I'm putting this seven, seven and a half is where I'm going. That's not terrible from me, though. But I mean, you have more experience than I do in this arena. So, like, I'm putting it at a nine because I would have to learn how to dance and I would have to learn how to do all those things. Yeah. You're coming in with that experience already. So, like, that tracks. The level of shitting my pants at this audition and seeing the level of talent and what was needed to put on this production, I'm going to say seven and a half out of ten. Like, this is not easy. This is above average. This is not yeah. your go-to thing. But I think it's doable if you're willing to have a challenge. It's not Peter Pan. You don't have wires or anything to deal with. So Good night. Can you imagine flying drag performers? Oh, my God. Oh, I'd watch that show. Someone's getting a stiletto in their eyeball immediately. 50 years from now, will this still be being staged? I want to say yes really bad. I do. It probably will be. However, I also want to say, I hope it doesn't need to be. I mean, I still, I would still want it to be because the, the, the core idea of a, you know, someone learning to open their mind and accept someone for who they are, I think regardless of time will always be just an inherent human trait that we do not accept people for who they are if they appear different from us. So I think in that regard, I, it's always a good lesson 
to be able to teach somebody or to reiterate the point and be like, look, you can change the world by changing your mind. So I think those are good things because that, unfortunately, my love, I don't think will ever go away. But um, I mean, I, I would love to see this in 50 years because who doesn't want to see Lola in 50 years, you know? <laughs> and of course, our favorite question, would we show this to aliens? I think it's a travesty if you don't show this to aliens. It would be. Then sub question, what is your audition song from this show? Well, having just gone through an audition, they had us sing just these big group numbers. We all had to sing the chorus from Sexes in the Heel. We had to sing Raise You Up. Mm. Um, So you just because it's it's a company show, like it's it's an ensemble show where Mm. everyone is involved in everything and enough of it is high enough. You get a good reading on people's registers sure so i would say raise you up is the song from this show Mm. see this one's gonna be hard for me as a female presenting person because like a lot of these are you know like your your core group is is really their male presenting so like this is kind of difficult but again since i'm such a sucker for a really good ballad like i would i would almost um try to pick a selection from not my father's son strength of sparta with the patience of job like you could really get some nice good like res- you know resonating chest uh sounds with that could be really beautiful so <laughs> i would most definitely because as somebody who is a mezzo i love living in my chest voice and so i think that would i think that would be lovely that would be my selection you change the world when you change your mind on uh some kinky boots oh man i'm thrilled that i got to see this now knowing that i you know watched the the film of it first and i like i told you uh i cried at it multiple times not only because it deals with the death of a father but also the idea that you can change the world by changing your mind and how easy it is to well, maybe not easy, but like how how much it is worth the effort changing your perspective and opening yourself up to the idea that there are differences in the world and those things are okay. And and the the wonder that comes from how you can change someone's life by, you know, believing in their strength or forcing them to, you know, you, you believed in them. So now they need to be strong. Like Lola says in her, you know, in her beautiful ballad that she's like, you believed in me. And so I was forced to be strong. And I walked away with a lot of beautiful life lessons as, as a parentless child. Now I feel like my parents are proud of me and 
that is something that I took for granted a lot. So to be able to tell someone that you are proud of them and to tell them that they are doing right by you and that you love them and all of those things that run through your mind that sometimes you don't think to say are really important to share in the moment when you think you need to. Mm -hmm. This this tugged at a lot of heartstrings and it made me feel a lot of feelings. And I, again, think that's the hallmark of a great show is if it can make you feel those things and it makes you think about some stuff. Like, you know, we, we say it a lot that not every show has to be that, but when you find the show that does and it speaks to you like that, it's really important to say so. This show hits different mm-hmm. to me. I won't say it's like taking the place of hairspray for me because it, it but it gives me those same good feels like I'm almost duped in in it being it presenting as one thing. And by the end, I'm given completely new thoughts and it expands my mind in so many ways. And it puts things in front of me that I I wasn't sure would be a thing. And I love that it, it challenges you. It makes you face things that might you might feel that you didn't know about yourself. And I think that's the beauty of the show. Not only can it rock and move you and make you want to jump out of your seat and dance, but it can also have these amazing moments of just humanity. That's what I take away from this show. And I, one, I'm excited to be a part of this later. And of course we'll all hear all about that. I'm sure, Mm. but I'm more so excited to be able to not only live in these people's shoes, but to put this message that this show has out there, just accept people for who they are. Yeah. I love that. That's accurate and so good. I don't even want to ask this because like we're sitting in these feelings and it's such a nice moment and I just like it and I, but I got to do it because if I don't, it's going to back up on me. Okay. So will you please just give me the clue for the next show that we're going to cover after this? Just give you a little teaser. You just want a little teaser. I mean, I just need a little teaser, not a big one. Well, fine then. You'll get a nice little clue. Yay. Your clue is join us. That's it? Don't shimmy your shoulders at me like that's the thing. How Oh, how dare dare you join us oh no in a season about to oh no all right well while i sit here and like i say every time i ruminate on that little nugget of nothing uh make sure you follow us on instagram from the top underscore podcast so you never miss a moment of our shenanigans and if you have something that you would like us to cover on this show if you have input on the the conversation that we've had this evening or any other conversation that we've had over the last two seasons, please feel free to email us and start that conversation at podcast from the top at gmail.com. And this has literally been such a beautiful, I was so happy to have this conversation with you and I'm still happy to have had it because it is just, I'm, I'm moved. And you know what? I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm proud of you, Steven. I have not said that to you, but I am super proud of you for having started this craziness with me, for continuing to pursue your own career and, and being the person that you are and going through everything that you've gone through. I am proud to be your friend. So thank you for sharing your life with me. Well, likewise, Miss Mary. And I can't wait to dive even deeper in next week's show notes. Oh my God, it's going to be delightful. And so we'll leave you with an iconic pair of red boots and some feel goods because 
Until next time, this has been From From the the Top, Top, a Wandering Unicorn production. If the sex is in the heel, where's the foreplay?